at the New Creation Church of Craig. We did our board meeting yesterday, and he stayed to minister there uh, for the morning and the evening services. And uh, he's got another board meeting tomorrow for Dunamis Bible School. So we get the evening together. It's going to be good. <laughs> so let's start out by just taking our tithes and offerings, or receiving, I guess, because we're not going to take them from you. You're going to give them. So... <laughs> Unlike some churches. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Just kidding. No, we're going to receive our evening tithes and offerings. So if you brought that with you and you are ready to give, then our ushers are ready too. They have envelopes if you need them. And the screen is up here. If you raise your hand, they'll give you an envelope. Uh, otherwise, if you're watching online and uh, you are giving, you can give through the website or the giving tile on the app. That is such a great way to give. You know, you don't even have to be in a service to use the, the giving tile in the app. It's great. And I like using that a lot. <laughs> texting. And uh, uh, texting give, uh, the number is up there, 970-624-0999. Or if you're 82, you can mail your offering in. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, not very many people are mailing theirs in right now, but that's okay. <laughs> so anyway, those are all the different ways that you can give, and uh, we just are blessed by your, your giving and uh, all that, that uh, we are able to do because of your giving. And so Jonathan highlighted some of those things the other uh, night when he was ministering, how at Christmas time we were really able to do some extraordinary things um, this year to help individuals. And so that was really great. So thank you for your giving. Well, let's go ahead and pray over those tithes and offerings. Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to give. And we know, Father God, that giving is just a characteristic of you. You gave your son and it's in us to give. And Father, we just thank you for this opportunity because as we sow, you are causing blessing to come forth for the kingdom you're causing increase but you're causing it for us so we have more seed to sow and father we just thank you for that we thank you that our lives are blessed and that we're increased this year in fact we just pray that over our congregation father this will be one of the best years we have ever had and not just one of this will be the best year we have ever had we just declare it, Lord, over our congregation in the name of Jesus. We thank you for increasing us, for causing us to grow, for causing us to take new ground for the kingdom, and for causing your kingdom to grow through our giving. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So you can use those receptacles as you go, as Alan calls them, the receptacles. <laughs> I just called them like boxes hanging on the wall, but I guess that they are receptacles, so use those as you go, and uh, it'll, it'll be good. All right, well, tonight we are going to talk about intercession, and uh, you know, it's a kind of prayer, and, and I know we know it's a kind of prayer. It's not uh, every kind of prayer isn't lumped into intercession. It's a specific kind of prayer. And uh, so you can go with me over to Ephesians, Ephesians 6, 18. And we just recently went to a prayer conference and it was so great. It was so great to be there and to pray with other people of prayer. And um, there were some things that came forth at the prayer conference that I'm going to share with you tonight. Um, I think Pastor Mark already shared this older prophecy by Brother Hagen in our prayer time, but I'm going to bring that back up tonight. And um, we're just going to talk about intercession a little bit. So intercession is a specific kind of prayer. It's standing in the gap prayer. You could call it that. We're going to read a scripture out of Ezekiel in a minute that really highlights why it's called standing in the gap prayer. But also it can be standing uh, with another person or for another person in place of, or it can be grabbing hold of another person. And intercession is really a powerful kind of prayer, and it's one that we're praying a lot these days because intercession really is you praying for not yourself and your own needs, but it's praying for others' needs. And when we're praying in the political realm, when we're praying for the nations, when we're praying for our nation, when we're praying for our leaders, when we're praying for things that are going on in our, our city, we're praying the prayer of intercession. We're actually asking God to move in a place, and we're giving him that place to move with our prayers. So intercession is really a powerful kind of prayer. So Ephesians 6, 18 is where we're going, 
And it says this, it says, pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit. And it's a capital S, it's in the Spirit, or with the Spirit, Him directing us in prayer. And then it says, with all manner of prayer and entreaty, to that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding on behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. And, you know, we said this morning when we were talking about uh, how we, uh, how our vision, how, um, you know, it's every member in their place, see the glory of God, and then possess the land. How part of how we possess the land is through our consistency. And really, consistency in prayer is a super important thing. And the Amplified Classic, when it reads um, this scripture out of Ephesians, it tells us to pray to that end. Keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of the saints. Interceding. And so um, we have an end that we're moving towards, and the end oftentimes is far away when we're praying prayers of intercession. Oftentimes it's not just right in front of us or seen. And so we pray with strong purpose and perseverance. And so intercession is a really powerful kind of prayer. But we're talking about that tonight because we're praying a lot of kinds of prayer of intercession. And really what we're going to talk about a little bit is our position in prayer, our place in prayer as the church, as the church body. We have a position in prayer. And I'll tell you this funny story. And I see Judy was here. Where are you, Judy? She might have gone out. So um, there, a long time ago, when we first met Larry and Judy, we played softball with a league in town. And so there was different churches that were playing softball and, and we played with Larry and Judy. So anyways, I just went and I watched most of the time and I didn't really play. I don't know a lot about sports. I just don't. Like I have pretty good hand-eye coordination and maybe I could play some sports, but I just don't know any of the rules about sports. And so when I would just watch, uh, a couple times they needed a girl on the team. And so, like Mark says, you're gonna play tonight. And I'm like, but I don't know how to play. <laughs> I know nothing about softball. I know nothing about this. I don't even know how to play. And he's like, well, just stand there. And if you stand there, basically they just needed a human breathing body on the field. So he said, if you stand there, then, um, you know, everybody else will do what, what they do around you, and it's okay, you only have to stand there. Well, don't ever believe anything like that. When somebody says that, it's not true. So he said that, and so I was just standing there, and then all of a sudden he's yelling at me, play your position! I'm like, what position? I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea of the rules of this game. I don't even know. I mean, I, like, I have a glove on, but that's it, okay? <laughs> so he's yelling, play your position. And you know, it's really important when you're part of a team that you do know and play your position. Because regardless of what anybody says, you're counted on. And in prayer, we are counted on. And so. You know, prayer, we need to know our position in prayer. And part of our position in this time, in this day, is that we pray this prayer of intercession. And so 1 Timothy talks about it as well. It says this, it says, First of all, I admonish then and urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be offered on behalf of all men. For kings and all who are in positions of authority or high responsibility, that outwardly, outwardly we may pass a quiet and undisturbed life and inwardly a peaceable one in all godliness and reverence and seriousness in every way. For such praying is good and right and is pleasing and acceptable to God our Savior." So that's a great scripture, and we've been hearing it a lot lately because we've been using this as we pray for our leaders. We've been praying this scripture, really, over them and um, praying it over us that we can live a quiet and peaceable life with peace. You know, prayer gives us peace. Prayer really does give us peace. 
because we have confidence in God and we know that when we pray, God hears us and that when we pray, God's working on something that we have no control over. But it reads this way in the Passion Translation. It says, most of all, I'm writing to encourage you to pray with gratitude to God for all men with all forms of prayers and requests and that you intercede with intense passion and pray for every political leader and representative so that we would be able to live tranquil, undisturbed lives as we worship the awe-inspiring God with pure hearts. Now, I like that. Part of the reason why we have peace is because of our trust in God and the position of our heart when we come in prayer to him. And so then it goes on and it says, it is pleasing to our Savior God to pray for them. He longs for everyone to embrace his life and return to the full knowledge of truth. For God is one and there is one mediator between God and the sons of men, the true man, Jesus, the anointed one. He gave himself as a ransom payment for everyone and now is the proper time for God to give the world this witness. I have been divinely called as an apostle to preach this revelation, which is the truth. God called me to be a trustworthy teacher to the nations, he says. And then it's uh, this verse also that I want to highlight. He says, therefore, I encourage the men to pray on every occasion with hands lifted to God in worship with clean hearts, free from frustration or strife. Wow. So as I was getting ready for tonight and I was going to talk about intercession, I actually found this in the Passion Translation earlier in the week and I put it on my Facebook because it made such an a impression to me about praying for our leaders, praying free from frustration and strife. And that's the position that God wants us to have when we come in intercession. And I have to just say, it hasn't always been my position. <laughs> right? And maybe you're feeling that same way, but it's true for me. And so I started just thinking about and studying and talking with Pastor Mark about intercessors that we see in the Bible. And Abraham is one of them. So go with me over to Genesis 18. So there's a heart of an intercessor. Part of the position of prayer is the position of authority that we stand in, but part of the position of prayer is a position of our heart. And when we put those two things together, that's what makes our prayer powerful. It's not just the words we're saying, but it's actually the heart with which we're praying as well. And so it's important that we have everything and that we are in the right position. So Genesis 18, verse 17 is where we're going. And you guys know this story well. It's the Lord coming to Abraham, and Abraham is having this opportunity after meeting with the, the Lord, really, he's having this opportunity to think about and pray for Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, which are two cities which are super, like, ungodly at this point in time. But they're filled with people, and some of the people that Abraham loves live in those cities. But Abraham doesn't just cry out on behalf of the people he loves and has a heart for. Actually, the heart of an intercessor reaches out to people who are in sin and reaches out to people who don't know to pray for themselves. And that's part of what an intercessor does is that we pray for people who don't know or who are not praying for themselves. And I like one thing that one minister said. He said, intercession is the highest form of love because it's loving in the spirit. It's loving in a place that your natural self can't even go sometimes because you have thoughts or, or you know things, but you have to locate a different place and you have to pray from and love from your spirit to pray with a, a heart that's free from frustration and strife for people who are in sin, right? So here it says in verse 17, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham my friend and my servant what I am going to do? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and a mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through him and shall bless themselves by him. For I have known, chosen, acknowledged him as my own, so that he may teach and command his children and the sons of his house after him, 
to keep the way of the Lord and to do what is just and righteous so that the Lord may bring Abraham what he has promised him. So he says, I know some things about him and I know his heart. I know his character. I know him. I know that he's a man after my heart. And I know that he keeps and he loves my word. God's saying some things about Abraham and he calls him his friend. I love that. God says, should I hide from Abraham what's about to happen here? Should I hide from him that thing that's about to happen? Well, the answer is no, because he begins to tell him. And in verse 20, it says, And the Lord said, Because the shriek of the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah are great, and their sin is exceedingly grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether as vilely and wickedly as the cry of it, which has come to me, and if not, I will know. Wow. It's like when you're at home and your kids are playing in the basement and all of a sudden you hear screams. Mm -hmm. And you go, oh boy, okay, I got to go down and see if it's all together as bad as what it sounds like, right? (laughs) And that's what God is doing. He's saying, I got to go see if it's really this bad because the cry that has come up, did you know that sin has a cry? Sin has a cry. And what it's crying out for is judgment. Sin cries out for judgment, but God is looking for something different in this situation, and what he's looking for is a cry of mercy. Because a cry of mercy will bring a different thing upon the people than judgment will. And so here it says that in uh, verse 22, now the two men turned from there and they went from Sodom, But Abraham stood still before the Lord, or stood, still stood before the Lord. Stood still, still stood. Maybe it's the same, right? (laughs) Okay, and Abraham came close. He drew close to God because he was thinking in his heart, and he was going, you know, I know people there. I know things that, that have happened there, but I know people there. So his heart was moved. And it says that he came close and he said, will you destroy the righteous, those upright and in right standing with God together with the wicked? Suppose there are in the city 50 righteous. Will you destroy the place and not spare it for the sake of the 50 righteous in it? And he's thinking in his head, there's got to be 50, right? I mean, okay, there's Lot and then there's his family and then surely they've influenced some people. But... It says in verse 25, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous as do the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth execute judgment and do righteously? And the Lord said, If I find in the city of Sodom 50 righteous, upright and in right standing with God, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Wow. God's in agreement with this. And then it says in verse 27, Abraham answered, Behold now, I, who am I, wait a minute, okay, I I guess I can't do it. (laughs) I, who am but dust and ashes, have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. If five of the fifty righteous should be lacking, will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? He said, If I find forty-five, I will not destroy it. And Abraham spoke to him yet again, and he said, Suppose only 40 shall be found there. And he said, I will not do it for the 40's sake. Now, in any of these cases, has God even blinked? I mean, he hasn't, really. He just has said, Abraham said, Would you do it for 50? Sure. 45? Yes. (laughs) 40? Yes. (laughs) I mean, God's just, it's like God wants this city to be saved. It's like he wants something good to happen for them instead of them to receive the judgment, which is what their cry is crying out for. So then it goes on, and it says, Then Abraham said to him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again. Now, has it seemed like God was angry up to this point? It doesn't. And then he says, Suppose only 30 shall be found there. And he answered, I will not do it if I find 30. See, Abraham started, you know, subtracting by fives, and now he's subtracting by tens. 
So <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm thinking about that place. Hmm. It says in verse 31, And Abraham said, Behold, now I have taken upon myself to speak again to the Lord. Suppose only 20 shall be found there. And the Lord replied, I will not destroy it for the 20's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again only this once. Suppose 10 righteous people should be found there. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it for the 10's sake. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. So it seems to me like God wanted to do something, and like God told Abraham what was going to happen because he was looking for somebody to pray. But Abraham is the one that ends the conversation. He says, Lord, don't be mad at me. I'm just going to ask for one more thing. It's like he thinks he's asking too much. But in this case, I don't think that he's asking too much because God's heart is shown in the very beginning when he says, I'm going to share this with Abraham, my friend. And why did he share this with him? Why? Why? I mean, what's the purpose? Why would God say, I'm going to go destroy that city? Except for that he was looking for somebody to stand for a different outcome. And so that's the heart of an intercessor. And here's the thing. Abraham doesn't say, God, if there's five righteous, will you save the five righteous? He says, if there's, if there's or, or ten righteous, will you save the ten righteous? He says, if there's ten righteous, will you spare the city? See, his heart is for the city. He's not just asking for his loved ones or for the righteous. So Pastor Mark and I were talking about this, and I was contemplating it a lot, and I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, that's the heart of an intercessor. Remember Jonah? What did God want Jonah to do? He wanted him to go to Nineveh, and he wanted him to preach repentance to the city of Nineveh, another wicked city, another city where they were slaying children in the streets, another city that was, that was, you know, rampant with violence. And yet God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, I don't want to go because God, I know you. <laughs> he said, I know you. And I know that you're a God of mercy. And I know what you'll do. You'll just forgive them. <laughs> and he didn't want that to happen. But see, God worked on Jonah's heart. And God said this to Jonah in Jonah 4, 10 and 11. Then said the Lord, you had pity on the gourd for which you have not labored nor made grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons not yet old enough to know their right hand from their left? and also many cattle not accountable for sin. You know, God loved those people, and he shows us right here, he says, I love those people because I made those people. And they don't know what they're doing. They're not yet old enough to know their right hand from their left, but I still love those people. And that's the heart of an intercessor. The heart of an intercessor grabs hold of those people who don't even know to pray because they're not even old enough to know their right hand from their left hand, and it grabs hold of God, and it says, I won't let go. It grabs hold, and it says, I'll be the person who stands in this gap between the two. Standing in the gap prayer. It's out of Ezekiel 22, verse 30, where it says, God says, and I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. See, that's God's heart, that I should not destroy it. But in this case, he says, I found none. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation upon them because sin has a cry, and the cry of sin is crying out for judgment. And it says that wrath was poured out upon them. And then it says, my indignation, I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I repaid by bringing it upon their own heads. Their own way. 
You know, it's kind of like saying, well, you deserve what you get <laughs> because that was what you asked for, but they didn't even know they were asking for it. They didn't know they were asking for that, but that's what sin asks for. So when I was thinking about this and when we went to the prayer conference, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in our nation. And there's a whole lot of people in this same place. There's a whole lot of people that are in sin or that are in places where they're not praying or, or don't know to pray. There's a whole lot of people who are not yet old enough to know their right hand from their left hand. And God is looking for intercessors for America. God is looking for intercessors. And you know what? I know there's people all over the world that are praying for America right now. In fact, I know that the church in China is regularly praying for America to come to know the Lord. But you know what? America has always been known as a Christian nation. We've been a leader in a lot of things because God says that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And we've been a leader, but we're about to not be a leader if we don't continue to make the Lord our God. And so the nation needs prayer and it needs intercessors. And because we live here, we know a lot of stuff that's going on and it can frustrate us and it can affect our heart and it can make us angry and it can make us upset. But an effective intercessor prays without frustration and without anger and prays with love. And so we have to connect to the heart of God. And that's what Jonah eventually did. And that's what Abraham did. They connected to the heart of God and they were effective intercessors, although Abraham did not go far enough. And I'm convinced in my heart that if he would have gone further, if he would have said, if there was five righteous Lord, and the Lord would have said, yes. And if Abraham would have said, God, if there's nobody righteous, would you just have mercy on that city because I'm asking you to? Yeah. I think God would have. Yeah. I really think God would have because that's what he did for Nineveh. And he gave Nineveh a chance. But not even 100 years later, Nineveh was destroyed because the people did not keep their relationship with God. So God gives us a space of time to cry out for mercy and a space of time to repent. And I believe that America is in a place where we need to repent. And so some of the things that we were praying about at this prayer conference were exactly that. God's looking for intercessors in America. Go with me over to Romans 8.26. An intercessor, if we're going to pray, the most effective way to pray is not to pray with our knowledge. It's not to pray with what we think, but it's to pray with what God knows and what God thinks. And here in Romans 8.26, it tells us this. It says, So too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness. For we don't know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is in the mind of the Holy Spirit and what his intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God on behalf of all the saints according to and in harmony with God's will. And we are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. For those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand, wow, he also determined from the beginning, foreordaining them to be molded into the image of his son and to share inwardly his likeness that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. And let's just stop there for a moment. So he tells us that the Holy Spirit knows how to pray. He knows how to pray in every situation and that he will help us to pray. He'll give us things to pray and he'll lay it upon our heart. He'll show us things to pray. And then he tells us this. He says, God being a partner in their labor. 
See, we don't have to pray just from what we know. We don't have to pray just from the things that we see. In fact, the most effective way to pray is with God being a partner in our labor and him giving us the heart to pray and the things to pray about and being a partner in our labor. And why? Because he knows the hearts of men and he knows where to move and where he wants to move. And prayer is an invitation to go in and give him a place to move in places where people aren't asking him to move. And so if we give him that invitation, he tells us what his heart is. He says, I knew all these people beforehand and I destined them from the beginning to come to know my son. I love that. God wants everyone to have the opportunity to know his son. And so he doesn't look at things the same way that we look at things sometimes. In fact, sometimes he has us praying for people in ways that are passionate and fervent that we don't even like. <laughs> because he wants them to know him. And he wants their hearts to turn. And we don't know whose heart can turn or will turn, but the Holy Spirit does. Now, I like this, this scripture out of the Passion Translation, and it reads this way. It says, in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times, we don't know how to pray or the best things to ask for, but the Holy Spirit rises up within us to supersede. <laughs> no, it doesn't say supersede. It says super intercede. <laughs> to super intercede. I love that. It's like, you know, Wonder Woman now. <laughs> Superman. We have a superpower, and it's the Holy Spirit helping us to pray. We super intercede on behalf of, on our behalf, pleading to our God with emotional sighs too deep for words. And then it says, the God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings Yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. I love that. So super intercede. And I like how the Passion Translation says this, with emotional sighs too deep for words. God is looking for intercessors. And here's something that Pastor Mark Brzee said at the prayer conference. He said, a move of prayer is coming to us now that will bring forth the answers that God sees. Do you know that God sees answers to our situations that we can't even see? Because God looks down from a whole different perspective. He looks down the whole corridor of time, and he sees things in the future. You know, Ezekiel, I think it was, described it as a wheel within a wheel. And he says, this is how God moves. God's changing things and turning things all the time. And God can do that, and our prayers can help, to help guide things if we hook up with the Holy Spirit. So we have to pray with the help of the Holy Spirit. And intercession is a powerful kind of prayer. And oftentimes in intercession, we do exactly this. Emotional sighs too deep for words. Emotional, because intercession moves our heart with the compassion of God. Intercessors have the heart of God. And I know we've all experienced that kind of prayer. But here's another thing that intercessors pray because they pray with the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. They pray out things that are not just happening right now. They pray out things that are supposed to happen in the future. They pray out things that are going to happen, that God wants to happen, and they declare things, and they say things in prayer. So prophets see things, and they say things. But prophetic prayers will feel things, and see things, and pray things. And sometimes we misunderstand our position or our place, and we think, well, God, am I a prophet? No, you're not a prophet. You're a prayer. You're an intercessor 
who is praying with a prophetic bent because you're praying partnered with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is showing you things that God wants to do. So yield to it. We have to yield to him. And as we do, it'll be a very powerful kind of prayer. In John 16, it tells us that the Holy Spirit, one of his jobs, the job of the Holy Spirit is to reveal, declare, disclose, and transmit to us things from God. And as he does that, sometimes we feel it, sometimes we know it, sometimes we see it, but we need to pray it out. And as we pray it out, we'll be partnering with the Holy Spirit in prayer. And it's part of how he builds the body. You know, a prophet, when he speaks, he speaks words from God that edify and build the body. But when we pray with that prophetic bent, we speak words that will also build the body because it's making a road for the body to go down, the body of Christ. So it's a very effective kind of prayer. And what can prayer really do? You know, I've been talking with different people, and some are saying, I think we're beyond prayer. Some are saying, we need to take action, and prayer is not enough. Some are saying, people are hiding in the church praying, and they're not doing anything. But listen, when we pray, prayer is one of the most effective things we can do. Mark Rizzi said this in the prayer conference. He said, prayer can either minimize, neutralize, or delay. And I really loved that. Because it can minimize, and it can lessen the effects of things. It can neutralize and totally annihilate things. Or it can put off into the future and delay things. And we see that happening with Jonah, right? When Jonah prayed... For, or, or spoke the word in Nineveh and everybody repented, then actually they ended up not sticking with that. But what was going to happen now, because one person came in as an intercessor between the people and God, it was delayed. So it gives people a place to repent sometimes. I think that America needs that right now. And here's one thing that prayer really can do. It can reach places that we can't reach. It can reach into places that we can't reach. And as I was meditating on this, I was thinking about two specific instances. And you know these. The one is where in Daniel chapter 5, where God's finger came down and Belshazzar was having a feast and he had taken all the things from the temple and he was drinking out of the, the, the golden uh, things from the temple and he was really dishonoring God. And God's finger came down and wrote on the wall. Remember that? And it says in Daniel chapter 5 that God chose the right place, right where the candelabra was, so it would be in the plain sight of everybody. And he wrote on the wall. And what did he say? He said, he said uh, your days are numbered and you've been found lacking. So there, there was judgment coming. God was able to turn things around. God is able to do things and he's able to speak to people in amazing ways. That was an incredible way of speaking to somebody. Somebody who he had probably been speaking to for a long time. You know, we think sometimes God can't do something. Oh, now, now God can't do anything. Well, guess what? God can still do something. <laughs> he still can and he still will. And the other thing I was thinking about was the king of Syria. And you remember this. When Elijah... Is it Elijah or Elisha? Elisha. Elisha was receiving the plans about what the king of Syria was going to do and where he was going to do, do it and where he was going to attack next. And the king of Syria says to everybody, he goes, I want to know who in this camp is against me. Who keeps telling on us? And they said, no, it's not us. It's none of us. It's Elisha, the prophet. He's the one telling the things that you're talking about when you think you're in the privacy of your own bedchamber. He's the one telling those things. See, God can reach into places where secrets are and where darkness is and where people are doing things that are dishonoring to God. God can reach into those places. And God's better at doing it than any of us. We can't go to those places, but we can go there in prayer. And God can make things right if we trust him in prayer. 
So what's our position? Well, our position is to take our authority in prayer. And we have to take our authority. So at the prayer conference, and actually the Friday before the prayer conference, Pastor Mark Brzee was praying something, and he said there's a dark cloud, and it's coming out of uh, the east coast. He said the eastern seaboard. And he was talking about that dark cloud that was coming. And he said, we've prayed about some things, but there's still a dark cloud. And he was praying about it. I was praying with them on their noon prayer time on the Friday before the prayer conference. So then at the prayer conference, he said it again. Well, then it reminded me that something, uh, that this prophecy that Brother Hagen had given in 1987, and it said this, and I don't know if I should read the whole thing, but it's all so good, so I kind of want to. Do you want to hear it? Okay. So it says, <laughs> the seer shall stand on the horizon of time and see that which God has planned and know its purpose standing on the horizon of time. He shall look back into the realm of time and see that which the enemy has planned. Yes, 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 saith the Lord of hosts. This is a time of restoration. This is a time of visitation. This is a time of fresh renewing and outpouring. So the visitation of the Lord shall be greater in these days than it was in yesterday. And the manifestation of his power and his glory shall be a hundredfold more than it was yesterday. Manifestation or supernatural miracles shall increase one hundredfold more than we've known in the past. Yea, the glory of God shall be seen upon the face of many, and many without a word spoken, just looking upon the face of the man of God, shall fall down in repentance and cry out to God. Members of that body, enhanced by the Spirit on fire, maintaining the glow, men and women in the world shall look upon their faces and fall down and say, I don't know what makes me do this. You know, as soon as I read this again, it reminded me of what Jerry um, Haskell was teaching when he taught about how a pure conduit uh, is, is really the best conductor of electricity. Remember when he taught that? Wasn't that awesome? And that's what he's talking about here. Somebody whose life is so pure, who's not hindered by offense, who's not hindered by uh, the things of anger or frustration or strife, who's not hindered by those things. And this is the kind of power that's available for them to operate in. So then he goes on and he says, yeah, the power of God shall be in manifestation and your heart shall be rejoicing and you shall be glad and the work of God shall be consummated and many things that have been spoken even to men who sit in this place and shake their heads and say, oh, that cannot be so. The work of God coming into the spirits by the women of God and the men of God and they declared by human reasoning that is impossible. That cannot be so, but yes, saith the Lord of hosts, all things are possible to him that believes. And with me, all things are possible, and the impossible shall become possible. And even many have said, it is possible, but not probable. Yea, even the probable shall come to manifestation, and your hearts shall be made to rejoice, and your spirits shall be glad, and the work of God shall be enhanced, and the kingdom of God shall be advanced. And sitting upon the horizon of times, and looking not only into the realm of the spirit, and seeing that which transpires in the spirit realm, for the enemy goeth about as never before, knowing that his time is short. Thou shalt know, and thou shalt share. And those who know how to pray will rise up in this hour. And then intercede, and the forces of darkness shall be driven back, and the evil spirits and the powers of the enemy that would encroach on the things of God and the people of God will be driven back. And so it is that the church shall stand tall in this hour and shall stand big in this hour and rejoice in his power and looking into the realm of time not limited by our time and space. Yea, I looked, I looked, I looked and I saw the hearts of men and oh my, they were disturbed and perplexed. And I saw a dark black cloud rise from the eastern part of our nation and it came out of the capital of our nation. And men responded to that darkness. 
that arose and walked with it. And that darkness began to envelop this very land. But oh, the hearts of many that know God sensed in their spirit and those of us that stand on the horizon of time shall sound forth a warning. And there shall arise the mighty ones, those called of God, separated unto him, and they shall make intercession, and the light shall shine and drive back the darkness. And the evil and the wicked men shall fall, and there will be those, and remember it was told you in advance, it was told you years in advance, that there shall be those in high places who will fall down dead, and some will say, oh, they would have made such a great leader. I can't understand. But those who know the voice of the Spirit shall rejoice and be glad and shall know the dark, that darkness has been stayed and that the hand of the enemy has been defeated. <laughs> Don't you love that? God's able. And it goes on and it says, and the word of the Lord that is to be consummated in those few short years to come will be consummated with the work of the Lord. It shall be done. And so the work which shall be done in this hour and the visitation of the Spirit and that revival that is about to burst upon you shall surely come to pass. And many, 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 as the world would say, hordes of people shall be swept into the kingdom and even in places of this earth of seemingly uttermost darkness. The light shall shine in, and the men and the women shall rise up and exercise the authority that is theirs on the earth. For if two or three of you shall agree on earth in any nation, in any land, regardless of the government, regardless of the opposition, regardless of the darkness, if any two of you on earth in North America, yes, South America, yes, Central America, yes, Asia, yes, Europe, yes, Australia, yes, behind the Iron Curtain, and in any nation on earth, if any two of you shall agree as touching anything they ask, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven." For whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What does prayer do? What's the power of prayer? You know, the word tells us to believe the prophets and prosper. And this was written or, or spoken in 1987. But look, it's for today. It's for today. And then it goes on and it says, and remember... It's in the first heaven, just above the earth, where the demons and the evil spirits are ruling whole nations, and they must be bound. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and those spirits that dominate whole nations and that dominate certain corners of this earth shall be bound, and light shall shine, and the Holy Ghost shall be poured out. The revival will come and the hearts and lives of men and women shall be blessed and whole nations shall be changed. And you shall enter into a new day, a new age, not a new age as man thinks. Remember that. And you shall see that there shall be a manifestation at the end of this age, a portion, a measure of power, the glory that shall be manifested in the age to come. You shall approach that time now, for these things are times of refreshing from the hand of the Lord, from the presence of the Lord, and the time of giving from the hand of the Lord, and the time of manifestation by the Holy Ghost, and the glory of the Lord. So rejoice and be glad, let not your hearts be sad, neither be pessimistic, but rather you look forward to the future with optimism, with gladness and love. <laughs> For the light has shined and the glory is revealed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. So when Pastor Mark was praying about that dark cloud and uh, then, you know, Brother Hagen had prophesied about that dark cloud, I thought, you know, that dark cloud is coming. And we might think that, you know, all of the things that we've experienced in the last year and a month, 
have been dark, right? But they haven't been as dark as it's going to get. But the word to us is that God will be upon us and that our prayers will reach a different place and that we'll have victory and that God will have victory. But remember what he said? It's not in the way that we think. We can't put our mind on what God is doing. We just can't do that. So many Christians right now are frustrated and are angry. And what's our position need to be in prayer? If we take the position of frustration and anger, we will not have powerful prayer. We will not be effective intercessors because we will be partnering with a spirit that is behind wickedness. Anger and frustration are not working the works of God. In fact, James tells us, in chapter 1 of James, it tells us that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So if we partner with a spirit that is not the spirit of God, and remember what we read in Romans? It says God being a partner with their labor, that's what makes us effective. That's what makes us to be able to reach into places. That's what makes us love people that are unlovable. That's what makes us have a heart of intercession for our nation when it looks like our nation could turn into a septic tank, right? I mean, it, it makes us have a different heart because we love God and we see that prayer is powerful. So we partner with the Spirit of God. We cannot partner with anger and we cannot partner with frustration. And so, as I bring this message tonight, I just want us as a church, as a body, we don't have control over everybody, but we have people in this body that we're speaking to. This is where our voice is heard, right? This is our place where we can make a difference and we can make a difference in prayer. And so I want to say to our body, Let's partner with the Spirit of God and with the Spirit of intercession. And let's pray like we have never prayed before because God is well able. I mean, do we think that God is unaware of the things that have happened? He's not. <laughs> he's not unaware and he's not without power. And it's not that God hasn't moved. It's that God is getting ready to move in a different way, in a way that we would not expect, in a way that we wouldn't predict. God is doing things, and God will have his way. And Jesus said he would return, but would he find faith in the earth when he did return? And I just put this question before us. God needs intercessors for America. God needs prayers. But will we be the ones that are those intercessors? Will we be the ones that are standing up and saying, I'm with you, God. I want you to move into all of these cities and all of these places. And I want to see them flipped upside down or actually right side up because the Spirit of God moves in there with power. Power. But, you know, we can't pray down that kind of power and we can't operate in that kind of power if we are not a pure conduit. If we have mingled and mixed with other things, we will not be praying with the power that's available to us. So it's very, very important. And there might be stormy days to come. And, you know, I'll tell you this story. Pastor Mark and I, we got these wave runners, or they're sea dews, actually, and so we took them to Lake Powell, and we were having fun. We were having tons of fun. And, and the lake got so calm, like more calm than I have ever seen Lake Powell in my life. It was so calm. And we were just seeing how fast they would go. And Pastor Mark like took his up to 65 miles an hour, I think, on the water. I'm like, that's dangerous. You shouldn't do that. And so... <laughs> So anyway, uh, we were seeing how fast they would go. And I laughed at him. I said, oh my gosh, it's so calm. It's beautiful. Like, I love days like this. Wouldn't it be funny if this was like the calm before the storm? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so we went further than we've ever gone. I mean, if you know Lake Powell, we went from Bullfrog all the way to Good Hope Bay on these sea dews. 
That's a long ways, you guys. It's long, it's far. And so we rode all the way there because we were just like blowing and going. We were going so fast and it was so fun. Well, we got to Good Hope Bay and we decided we're gonna eat lunch there. And so we took out all of our stuff and the sky started getting dark. <laughs> and so here we are, the sky is getting like dark. And I said to him, I said, maybe it really was the calm before the storm. And he said, we need to pack our stuff up and we need to start going back. And so we did, and we got about halfway back to Bullfrog, and it started raining. And not only did it start raining, then it started thundering and lightning. And if you've ever been on Lake Powell in a storm, the wind started blowing. And we're on sea dews. Like, they're this big. <laughs> we're not in a boat. And there is nobody else on the lake. No one else was as stupid as we were. So <laughs> here we are, like we're out there, we're by ourselves. And we are, I am not exaggerating when I say we were on these little sea dews going over six foot waves in the wind and in the rain, and it was pelting us with rain. And we're seeing funnel clouds forming on the lake and then lightning starts happening. And we didn't even have time to be scared. We went more than seven miles in that kind of weather and we just had to keep going. And I was on my Sea-Doo and I was praying and I was just going, God have mercy on us, God have mercy on us, we were stupid, we're sorry. God save us. I mean, that's all I could do. That was my prayer, like my, my deep prayer, that was it. Oh God, save us, save us. No, and I just kept saying, Lord have mercy on us. And, and so we're just, we just keep going. And I'm just thinking, we just have to keep going, keep going. If we stop in the, like I lost my hat and I couldn't even go back for it because if we'd stopped in that stuff, we would have been completely overcome. And when they were talking about this storm that's coming, I thought, man, we better get our hearts and our lives right. Because if a storm is coming, what are we going to do? Are we going to be consumed by that storm because we're not right? Or are we going to be able to just keep going through that storm? And you know what? That's what we have to do. We have to keep going knowing that God is with us and that we might go over some bumps, but we're making it to the end. We might go over some, it might be raining, but we're making it to the end. And why? Because we have confidence in our God. And you know what? We can't let go of our nation in the midst of the storm. Because there's going to be a lot of people that are. And we can't let go. We have to stick with it and stick with it and stick with it. And this morning I said part of possessing the land is that we just keep doing what we're doing. We just keep doing it. And if we just keep praying, we're going to see some things changing because it's been spoken and it's been said and it's promised us in the word of God, revival is coming, but we cannot give up. So, a scripture that we've been quoting over and over and over again this year, and I know you know it, it's 1 Chronicles 7:14, and it says, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek, crave and require of necessity my face. That's how the Amplified says it. It says, And turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So, you know, there's many parts to this scripture and we've been doing one part and we've been doing it faithfully. We've been praying, but I want to ask us, what's our motivation in prayer? Did we just pray for the election? Or did we pray with the heart of an intercessor for our nation? Did we pray for God to do something because we thought something was going to happen if we prayed? Or did we pray connected with him, with his wisdom? 
So it says here, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. We have to humble ourselves. Pray and seek, crave, require of necessity my face. Now that's a big one. Seek, crave, require his face. I mean, that's getting before God just simply because we love him and we can't live without him. That's, that's the heart that we have to have in prayer to see him move in our nation. To love him with everything that we are, not because of what he can do for us and, or what he can do to make our life comfortable or for the situation that we're currently in. No, we have to just love him because we love him. And then it says, turn from their wicked ways. And you know what? Every one of us has things. You know, when it talks about the last days in Timothy, it talks about people even being, you know, uh, goes through all kinds of different things, but it talks about being rebellious to parents and haters of good. And if we do things that we know God doesn't like, then are we putting away our wicked ways? We have to do all of it to get the promise. There's a caveat. It says, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And the next verse that comes after it, it says this, now my eyes, and this was at the dedication of Solomon's temple, right? So they're dedicating the house of God. But what does the New Testament tell us? That we are the house of God. And he says, now my ears will be open, or my eyes will be open, and my ears attentive to prayer offered in this place. For I have chosen and sanctified and set apart for holy use this house. And see, so the thing, and you guys, I had to correct my own self, and I'm continuing to have to do it. In the prayer conference, I just put myself before God, and I said, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry. I just want what you want, God, and I want your power, and I want what you want for our nation. But more than anything, I want to see this world experience revival. I want to see those miracles, and I want to see people coming to know him. And I want to see nations turned around in a whole day. And I want to see cities, including my city, our city right here. I want to see us serving God with all of our hearts. And I don't want to see strife and people arguing and, you know, having all of these political divisions and, and divisions that the enemy has put in place. You know, there's been a lot of stuff this year with racial divisions and political divisions and coronavirus and all of those things. And I just put my heart before God and I said, I want to see you more than anything else more than anything else. And so God, just like David prayed, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me so that I can be your vessel and I can be one who your eyes are open to and your ears are attentive because you created me to be your house. <laughs> and to wear the banner of your name forever. You know, we don't wear a banner of anyone or anything else. And all of those things are going to have to drop so that we can have his banner over us. And you know what the Bible tells us? The banner of him, his banner over us, is love. <laughs> it's love. So anyway... I wanted to talk about intercession tonight. And I wanted to talk about that kind of intercession. The heart of an intercessor. The heart of an intercessor. And what does it look like? Well, it really is the heart of God. And God's heart is for people. You know, uh, T.L. Osborne would say, God's heartbeat is people, 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 people. That's what T.L. Osborne identified as the heart of God. And God's heart is people. And I'm asking him to open my heart to all people. <laughs> because
because I want to see people saved this year. Don't you? Amen. Amen. So we're on the same page. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it when that happens. God is good, isn't he? He's doing some awesome things. And you know, I believe that he's taking us as a church higher and we're coming to greater levels of consecration because we're going to see uh, a lot of the things that he's promised us. And uh, so anyway, get ready. Get expectant. God's going to do some things. And you might want to just go home into your own prayer closet and do the same thing. Say, God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And get ready, because I think God's going to use us in some awesome times of prayer. So, one of them will be tomorrow. <laughs> Here at 7 o'clock, corporate prayer tomorrow. All right. Well, our time's up. Let's stand up. <laughs>